They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. And Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Nathaniel Daniel, happy Killers of the Flower Moon release day. Woohoo! Yep. Yep. Very excited. I'm going tomorrow. You're going today. I'm, yes, I'm pumped. We're, I'm, I'm ready to see it. We're supporting struggling auteur Martin Scorsese <laughs> and little known actors Robert De Niro and Leo D. Wow. Yeah, we are. We gotta we gotta help them get their names out there for sure. Mm-hmm. What, uh, so, is there any other, like, big event movie coming out this year, or have they all been obliterated by the strikes? Um, well, I mean, it depends on what you mean by event. The Marvels, Captain Marvel 2, is still coming out this year. Uh, Aquaman 2 is also coming out. Uh, I want to say the next animated Disney movie, like Disney Princess movie, I want to say, is coming out. This year is was not delayed, I want to say. Wish? Yeah, Wish. Yeah, besides that, I feel like most of the event movies that are left, in my mind at least, are the like pretentious stuff, or the art house stuff. Because, you know, Michael Mann's Ferrari is coming out. Uh, Ridley Scott's Napoleon is still coming out. Obviously, Doom Part 2 was tragically delayed, so Denis could add 8 million more minutes of Timothy Chalamet staring at a dune or something. Yeah, I can't think of any other really big event releases. Usually, there's not a lot of big stuff until like Deset, like Christmas or Thanksgiving is when they try to put out the next thingies. But... I don't know. Most of the stuff I'm excited for is like weirdo stuff because, you know, Poor Things is still coming out in December. I'm pumped for that. Uh, I just showed you the trailer for American Fiction, which looks really good. Jeffrey Wright. But I do think most of the big stuff or most of the more mainstream stuff has been pushed back. Wow, that was a rambly answer. But okay, then. That's fine. Let's all... Why don't we all take this opportunity to look through all the movies that we've missed recently and take the opportunity to watch them. So if you Thanks. if you really wanted to see uh, The Green Knight a few years ago and you just missed it, now's the time, man. Now is the time. Oh, for sure. To keep it to things that came out this year, Asteroid City came out. If you didn't see that, that movie's fantastic. Um, oh shoot, what's its name? Past Lives. That was really good. Definitely worth worth a watch if you if you haven't seen it. Uh Blackberry, I think we mentioned it when we went to it, but that movie's fantastic. There was a lot of great movies this year. If you haven't seen a great movie yet this year, that's your fault. That's not Hollywood's fault. That's your fault for sure. Well, that's I totally forgot. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of great <laughs> Well, I'm just saying. There's a whole bunch of great foreign films coming out re this fall, too. Anatomy of a Fall, Evil Does Not Exist, um, Monster, Zone of Interest. Yeah, stop me when I, I get to one that you've heard of. I've heard of all of those. Oh, sick. They're all supposed to be really good. I'm excited. Yeah, I just saw a review of Anatomy of a Fall in uh, IGN, of all places. Really, really, yeah. Oh, and Super Mario Bros. Wonder just came out, didn't it? Yeah, it comes out today, uh, the same day as Marvel Spider-Man Two. So everyone, everyone can uh, can partake in whatever they choose. Uh, I've unless you're on Xbox. 
Unless you're on Xbox, in which case you're just going to have to stick with Starfield for the moment. But yeah, I'm, I've am i got uh, Spider-Man 2 ready for that. That looks fun. Super Mario Bros. Wonder is going to be mm. a Super Mario Bros. game. So surely, surely enjoyable for those who uh, enjoy Mario. I don't know. <laughs> this 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 segment is 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 uh, petering out a bit. <laughs> well, let's let's ki- let's cut this section off then. Let's start talking about the movie that we're talking about. It's another uh, interesting sort of pick, I would say. This is we continue choosing artsier and artsier and more indie sort of movies. I think as we go along. But Elliot, you picked this movie. Uh, give us the rundown. Let us know. You're also a history major. This is a bit of a history movie. So let it. What do we need to know about the death of Stalin? All right. So, in terms of recent history, the death of Stalin is a 2017 black comedy hist- slash history movie directed by Armando Iannucci based on a French comic book of the same name. So this is a very cosmopolitan movie. It's directed by, I think he's Italian, or maybe French, considering the uh, material. But it's based in Russia, released in the U.S. and everywhere, I guess, based on a French comic. So this this is a real merging of cultures. That's fun. But anyway... Uh, In terms of further back history, what you need to know is that Joseph Stalin was one of the worst people of all time, definitely in the Hitler, Mao Zedong tier of authoritarian megalomaniac uh, dictators. And he died. It's true. He died. And at that point, there was a, a bit of a power struggle amongst the Presidium, which was, I think, uh, his deputies like his his lieutenants, for who would come out on top, who would inherit the title of General Secretary of the Soviet Union. And this movie follows that. Uh, this movie follows and satirizes the conflict amongst Stalin's higher-ups as they bumble about trying to one-up each other, trying to outmaneuver each other, and become his successor, while also... Uh, making fun of just the general culture of paranoia and propaganda of the Soviet Union. It's a it's like pitch black comedy, but it is absolutely punching up. It's leaving no prisoners with these people. It's definitely it is it is it is taking a shot at them, but it's also like it's it doesn't. Well, we can get into this later, but I don't think it ever gets to the point where I'm like, where it feels like it's making light of something in a inappropriate or over the top way. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is a lesser seen, lesser known kind of movie. Uh, not a lot of big stars. I think the biggest star is probably Steve Buscemi as Nikita Khrushchev. And uh, yeah, we've seen. I'll go first, I guess. I've. This is the like. <laughs> fourth time I've seen this. Uh, I've seen it a few times. I can't remember why I watched it. I guess it's just just one of those things that I stumbled on and watched and really liked it. And so that led to me showing it to Nathan. He can give his thoughts and his story. But uh, I really like this movie. I think it's really funny. I love all the performances. It's not super accurate to what happened, but it... The way it plays around with history, I think, makes sense for the point it's trying to make. Um, yeah, it's just a really quirky, unique kind of idea, making fun of a pretty, like, to general audiences, pretty unknown moment of history. I don't think if you grab someone off the street and ask them, what do you know about the power transitions that happened after Stalin died, they'd be they would be able to tell you all that much. But I think that it... It, it manages to communicate it in a really effective way. And it's just a, it's not really, it's not necessarily fun, but it's definitely really enjoyable and really watchable. Yeah, I would agree. Like you said, you made me watch this because you, and I had heard of it before. I have a friend who his family is Russian. So I, he went and saw it in theaters and he was a big fan of it. And I liked it. This is the second time I'm watching it. 
So I I don't think it sounds like I don't I probably don't like it as much as you. So I'm interested to discuss kind of the merits and the demerits of this film. But I agree. I I the general listening audience might not know this, but I'm kind of a big fan of Nikita Khrushchev, not because I think he's a good person, but I, because I think he's kind of a fascinating figure in history as a whole and Russian history specifically. I read two books that dealt with his place in Russian history. One was kind of a fictionalized uh, account of kind of this transition of power, but from like a different, from more of like a granular uh, peasant level sort of angle. And then another book about his one of his two trips to America called Cablo's Top. The other book's called Red Plenty. Both of them, fantastic books, huge recommend. So I love Nikita Khrushchev. So going into this movie, I had maybe a bit more knowledge about uh, what was going to happen than the general audience. But uh, that's just me talking about Khrushchev because I think he's neat. The movie itself, like Elliot said, very fun. I think it's very watchable. It's definitely a movie that is quirky but not to the point that it's like annoying and i would agree also that it doesn't ever feel like it's every like it's never making jokes about the fact that like millions of people died like so many people died more it's making jokes that like aren't these guys stupid and unable to see the like blatant flaws in the system that they've created or the blatant ways in which like everything they're doing is kind of circular and pointless. But anyway, yeah, it's a really good movie. It's fun. I had fun watching it. Let's talk about it. You know, let's talk about it. Yeah. Elliot. Uh, uh, oh, uh, uh, who's going to take point? Oh, uh, well, you can, I'll let you since it's your film. I was going to just ask Elliot, what, what do you, where do you want to start? Yeah. Let's start with the comedy. Let's talk about this movie's, sense of humor. Uh, as we've said already, it's very dark because this is kind of a dark point in history for this part of the world. Well, I mean, like, you could pretty much pick any year out of the Soviet Union's existence and it would be a pretty dark period. But this is an especially dark one. But like I said, it's definitely punching up. Like, it is absolutely, it is a caustic takedown of these people and their their behavior and their rationale for why they do the things that they do. But also it's got just like your uh, run of the mill jokes of like, I would say that a lot of this movie's humor is like the straight man, uh, weird man type of comedy where somebody is doing something unusual. And then you have the straight man who is, who like, plays off of that and just sort of reacts like what a, what a what an odd thing to do but the other the other component of it would probably just be like your quirky kind of um I, I don't know I'm not well versed enough in humor terminology I think to talk about it but it's not like it's not slapstick it's not gross out um it's not necessarily observational it's more like situational there you go that's the word uh, mm. situational comedy and character comedy. And I think it works really well. Um, I don't think that there's any joke that like really makes me just absolutely lose it laughing. But m the majority of the jokes, when I watched this, I watched it last night, made, they elicited a verbal reaction from me. Like I didn't just smile or go like, Psh. Uh, I actually was laughing out loud. I think my, probably my favorite joke is they're at a funeral. Well, they're at the funeral, Stalin's state funeral, and the presidium <laughs> is standing in a line around his coffin, and they're trying to talk to each other about things. So they're like sending messages. They're essentially playing a game of telephone with each other, asking people to like say this to this guy and say that to the other guy. And uh, <laughs> Khrushchev is really upset with Beria, who we'll talk about, I'm sure, at length in this review. But he's like, uh, he says, I'm going to give everyone in Moscow a voucher 
for one kick in the face. And then Barry is like, what is he saying? And one of the other guys says, he said something very complicated about a voucher system. (laughs) 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 I really like it. And I really liked the guy's delivery of it. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of jokes that I really enjoy in this. A lot of jokes that I'm like, oh man, that is so, that is so dark, but so funny as well. Um, Yeah. What do you think? What do you think, Nathan? I agree. I love that joke as well. That he wasn't talking about kicking Beria. He was talking. He doesn't like the bishop, so he was talking about giving people vouchers to kick the bishops in the face. And I also love the guys. I don't know. Nikki's talking about some complicated a voucher system. And also, when Khrushchev wants to switch places with Malenkov. And so he like very somberly slides around <laughs> and just bumps into him. <laughs> no, I, I find this movie very funny. There's also, I think, a lot of like not subtle jokes because it's not the most subtle thing, but stuff like uh, Malenkov, Jeffrey Tambor's character, his hair, I swear, seems to get darker in every like he's dying it. So he looks younger but I, it seems like he's dying it more in every scene that his hair, he starts out graying and then it keeps on getting darker and darker as the movie goes along. And just other stuff like when they are driving off with Stalin's body for the first time and everyone's like standing outside their cars and then rushing it back in their cars so they can be first in line after that. And there's a lot of moments where characters are, people are trying to outdo each other in showing grief. Like when Khrushchev and Beria are like rushing to get to Svetlana to be the first one to be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Your dad's dead. Like it's such a tragedy. And just everyone's everyone coming into the room where Stalin has like had his stroke or whatever. And then right away going to like kneel by him (laughs) and cry. And then they kneel (laughs) right where he peed and it, like four or five people, they come in and they're all doing the same thing of like, oh, I weep. And they're like pontificating on how heartbroken they are by uh, Stalin's death. I, I think it's a really funny movie. It's a very cleverly funny movie. And yeah, like none of the jokes are, there wasn't any joke that I was like, oh, that's stupid or that's weird or that's. It wasn't like Hot Rod where there were jokes that just didn't land at all. I think all at worst, the joke just elicited like a smile and a nod of, yes, that is a joke. Like, that is funny. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. also, I love uh, Zhukov's character, uh, Jason, I think played by <laughs> Jason Isaacs. He's this like yeah. really bombastic, aggressive guy who's always making who's doing insults that I couldn't possibly quote even if I was censoring the language um but they're all really funny and there's this bit where Khrushchev is taking him to talk someplace else and he's he goes on this huge rant to somebody he's like get out of my way or I'll beat you into a bloody pulp and Khrushchev just says thank you and I don't know I find that kind of (laughs) stuff really funny um I don't know why it's just very amusing to me uh I yeah, it's it's impossible. It's always really hard to like intellectualize humor and why things work and things don't. But that kind of stuff is just very funny to me. And generally, I thought that he was a really funny character, especially when he <laughs> he beats up Stalin's son, and then the daughter Svetlana is uh, she wants to like tell him off, but he's made it clear that he 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 doesn't care and so she's like if any of the rest of you do anything like that and Zhukov just says well that's me told then I just really like that I think this is a good place to transition to the actors in the because they all do a very good job of they're all I wouldn't say strictly comedic actors like Jason Isaacs isn't much of a comedian I don't really think of him as a comedic actor Steve Buscemi a bit more and I think Jeffrey Tambor is typically in comedies but I think they all do a really fantastic job uh obviously I've already said I love Nikita Khrushchev I think Steve Buscemi does a really good job of 
portraying Khrushchev that he's trying to be a bit more level-headed than his comrades, but he's still pulled in the same direction of kind of the ridiculousness of all of it. I also love the guy who plays uh, Molotov, who's assigned to be killed at the beginning of the movie and then doesn't, and then his wife comes back, and there's a funny scene where they're bashing his wife as she comes back and from the like gulag or whatever. Uh, But I think he's really fantastic and he's just like way too excited about everything, especially near the end of the movie. He's like really amped to (laughs) kill Beria. And I think Beria is good as like a villain, I guess it's hard because like none of these are really people you want to root for. And even the guy who wins Khrushchev does not turn out to be a fantastic, like he's portrayed as maybe a bit more level headed and a bit less ridiculous than Baria, but all of them are ridiculous. I think the guy who plays Baria is doing a good job. He's also a good, honestly, I think they're all doing a really good job. All the actors are doing a good enough job with what they have. But the two standouts for me are Steve Buscemi and the guy who plays Molotov and Jason Isaacs, of course. Yeah, I agree. I, I like Steve Buscemi. I wouldn't call myself like a big Steve Buscemi fan, but he's definitely my favorite performance in this. He, he brings the right amount of like obsequiousness and, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm losing the word. He's obsequious, but he's also uh, sort of he's he's working things to his benefit. Like he's he he's not really he doesn't really believe a lot of the things he says. Like he's just uh, he's manipulative. He's playing the room uh, to mm. his to what he trying to get what he needs out of people. And Steve Buscemi does a great job at that. He also, I think he he does a good job of like playing a bit of a switch at the very end where he stops becoming kind of a goofy uh, character that you kind of laugh at. And he brings a little bit more, a little bit more authority and uh, aggression to his character. Like he stops trying to, it's when he, he stops needing to play to these people like he stops trying to get into Svetlana's good books he stops messing around with Melenkov and he's just like yeah now this is what I wanted to happen now that I don't need to perform uh perform this submissiveness to these people now I can show them how I really feel um, so yeah, I think he does a great job with that. And everyone does a really good job. Like I said, I love Jason Isaacs. I also like the guy who played Beria, who is sort of, he's in an antagonistic role, but obviously I'm not, nobody's, you're not really rooting for anybody in this cast. Um, yeah, nobody like, nobody blew me away or it was, did it turn in a performance that I think is one for the books. But everyone's doing a really good job. They're they're acting above and beyond the call of duty of uh, their character and their script. So yeah, no notes there. Good stuff all around. Yeah. Well, I think this is... Uh, I would like to bring to the forefront my main complaint with the movie that I've kind of been putting together here during this episode and as I watched the movie. And I feel like if there's a complaint, it's that I think the movie is trying to make maybe a larger statement than it really succeeds at making that there's elements like the opening of the movie is I think kind of a random day. It's the day before Stalin dies, but you're, we get to see some of right the effects of Stalin's leadership, that there's armed guards going out, kidnapping people, taking them to a prison to be tortured and killed. We have this kind of little story of a 
an orchestra who's putting on a live radio show of a concerto. And then at the end of it, they're asked for a recording and they don't have a recording. So the like manager guy has to scramble around to get a recording created in order to give a recording to Stalin. And this, I, th- I just struggle to see the point of this sort of part of the movie. And there's other moments where I think they make a stronger case of just kind of the pointlessness of all of the ridiculousness that we're seeing. I think it's very poetic that, I mean, the two kind of last shots of the movie are Beria's ashes being spread, that it's just like everything that he did becomes, right, nothing. And then the final shot of the movie revealing that Khrushchev would only be leader of the Soviet Union for eight years before being replaced by a Brezhnev with way too subtle eyebrows. This man had way stronger eyebrows than he was given in this film. Really, that's that was a huge mistake. There's a lot of inaccuracies. That's one inaccuracy I'm not going to sit by and watch. But I just think this beginning of the movie doesn't strike a very good tone between a comedic thing, but then also making this point that what they were doing was ridiculous and kind of self-destructive ultimately. And I think there's other moments and there's other characters like Svetlana feels like she's in like just a slightly more serious sort of film. And then I can't remember Maria, the piano player. She also like is throughout, it shows up throughout the movie. And I don't really understand why, because she's not, it's not very comedic. And I don't feel like it's doing much to communicate like, hey, this is bad, or I don't feel like it's communicating a very, a message that I'm not already aware of, right? I don't need to watch a movie to know that Stalin was a terrible person and the things he did were awful. And so I don't feel like the movie is communicating a much more nuanced message or a much more comprehensive message than just that, which is maybe getting a little pretentious, but I feel, again, there's scenes like the stuff at the beginning, like ev- almost every scene with Marie, like the stuff with Svetlana, like the ending, that it feels like the movie's trying to make a larger point, and I don't think it really accomplishes that. Huh, that's interesting. I didn't really get that feeling, that the movie was trying to make any kind of complex or nuanced statement about its subject matter. I think that it was it was just trying to, like just trying to make fun of them and trying to call to attention some of the more ridiculous aspects of Soviet life and the Soviet political system. I do have a similar kind of issue with the characters of Marie and Svetlana in that the movie doesn't, the movie does a great job with all of its comedic aspects and its main cast but it's ancillary cast of people like Vasily, Stalin's son, Svetlana, and Marie are more functional. Like they don't, their purpose is to kind of set up what's going to happen. They're like, they're pawns that people are moving around on the board trying to create an advantageous situation for them. And you really feel it. Like they, it, they don't really have anything else to them other than a very, they have a very functional relationship with everyone else in the cast and with the script itself, which makes their scenes feel a bit harder to get through because the movie kind of lays off the comedic bits and it's just trying, it feels like it's just kind of trying to rush through these so that you understand what's about to happen, but so that they can get back to the funny old guy's sort of bumbling around each other. And I think that that's kind of a function of the liberties that the movie is taking with history. Like, this is, I would say, up until Stalin dies, and in the immediate aftermath, it's pretty accurate to what actually happened, but after that, it's making up a lot of stuff and compressing timelines a lot. Like, um, the whole thing with the Khrushchev, or... Beria 
cuts off Moscow with the NKVD, which is like the secret police that precedes the KGB that he was in charge of. And then Stalin, not Stalin, Khrushchev starts the trains up again. So people, a bunch of people try to get into Moscow to see Stalin, but the NKVD panics and starts shooting at them. And this is kind of the catalyst for Beria's eventual downfall, is that he doesn't want to be blamed for it, even though he is the NKVD, he's the face of the NKVD, so if they blame the NKVD for it, he will look weak and he will get the most uh, wrath from the populace. And this leads into him revealing that he has a bunch of documents on these people, which then makes everyone conclude that he's too dangerous to be left in this position. And that is why they have him arrested and shot. That is not what happened. Uh, what really happened is a lot less flashy and a lot less dramatic. It's just that Beria was a dangerous person. He was not in charge of the NKVD at this point, but he was trying to get back in charge of it. And he was trying to win favor with the West and with the Soviet people. And because they did know that he had a bunch of information on them, people, the Presidium, saw this as dangerous, so they launched their coup against him. But obviously that took place over a few years, and it's not very... It's hard to communicate that over film and make it interesting. So what they had to do is... They had to have these characters like Svetlana and Marie, who didn't really factor into this at all. Like, Marie, her function in the script is to make Khrushchev nervous because Beria ties her and her obvious anti-Stalin views to Khrushchev through a non-existent link or a non-historical link between her and Khrushchev's nephew, so she has a very functional, she has a purely functional role in the script and because because of what they're trying to do with real history and that makes her character feel unnecessary and it makes the scenes with her feel kind of uh, cursory or feel like the movie has to put that, um, obligatory. The movie has to put them in so you understand what's happening and so that it can set up the coup, but there's no real... Nothing really happens outside of that. They're very utilitarian scenes. Well, and I don't think... It sounds like... I agree they're very utilitarian scenes. I think I'm trying to look for maybe something deeper that, like you said, maybe it's not there. I think it's not there to the film's detriment because I think it's something that could conceivably be there. Or I've seen movies that are comedies like this that still have kind of a like functional message or something. I think Jojo Rabbit is one that kind of springs to my mind that it has a very clear indictment of fascism inside the comedic elements of the film. I don't think the a historical elements, I don't know if they necessarily bother you. I know in other movies they bother you. I don't think this movie is necessarily trying to inform people of history as much as just tell kind of an engaging, entertaining story. And I think insofar as the movie is doing that, it's very good. But like I said, the scenes where it's not or where it's, like you said, it's just have scenes to get from point A to point B plot-wise, that's where the movie kind of starts to not be as much fun for me because it's not funny and I'm just watching information be conveyed to me. So it's like one step above exposition, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think the ahistorical elements are a huge deal because I, I agree, it's not trying to tell teach anyone about history, and it's not in service of like a problematic or it's not trying to make things the way that they were not. Like some of the elements we talked about in Lawrence of Arabia, we're trying to make mm. things. We're telling like. We're portraying people and events in a way that did not happen for a purpose that did not make sense in the context of real history. I don't think there's anything like that in this movie. So I don't think it's a huge deal. Uh, 
it's also not like very important uh, for people to know what really happened in the transition, the power transition after Stalin died. I I really don't I just don't think that the movie is trying to make any larger point about Stalin or Stalinism or Soviet communism. And so I I mean I tend not to critique a movie based on what the story that I think it should have told. There's certainly an argument to be made for wasted potential, but I don't really get that sense from this movie because it was always trying to just sort of make fun of this moment in history, not this moment in history, but these people of history and this system that they inhabited and that they propagated. So, I I mean, like, Jojo Rabbit didn't really make a subtle or nuanced point about Nazism because Nazism, the problems with Nazism are fairly simple. They don't really require a lot of a really in-depth understanding of political science or history or German culture to understand why it's bad. And I think there's a, there's a similar dynamic at play with this movie and the Soviet Union. And also, I just, like, I agree with the, I ha I don't enjoy the utilitarian scenes as much, but there's not a whole lot of them, and they're not, like, terrible. So, in the end, it doesn't really have a huge effect on my watching experience my viewing experience okay sure well again we can only review the movie as we see it i feel like the movie is trying to make something uh larger or is trying to be something larger and i think it fails at that so i don't just gonna have to agree to disagree elliot or you're gonna have to agree to be wrong yeah whatever <laughs> Yeah, I don't really have a ton of other things in my notes. This is I I think one of the things that makes this movie so watchable is there's not like a ton going on with it. I mean the the technical elements, I mean it was filmed with a camera. There is cinematography. Nothing really jumped out at me. I think it's you know, it doesn't look bad. There was no point that made my eyes bleed or made me want to die. But I, I think for the most part, the movie excels in just being an engaging, fun, funny story about this moment in history and these people in history, like you said. Uh, I think anytime the movie's not doing that, it becomes not terrible, but it becomes like a lot less enjoyable for me. And yeah. That's about it. What, what about you? Do you have any negatives? Or You've already mentioned a few, but do you have any negatives or thoughts on technical sort of elements? Well, first of all, I agree. I think that this is, if you and the audience are going to watch this, um, you should know that this is a very straightforward story. It's, uh, it's pretty much what it says on the tin, that it's a satire of Stalin, Stalinism, and his uh his higher ups so it knows what it wants to do it's doing that very well and yeah that maybe leaves a that maybe means that there's not a whole lot to talk about in terms of thematic richness or character work or character arcs um but i still think that there's that there's absolutely uh a lot of merit in that kind of simple story well done and well told in terms of technical elements i agree it's not like nothing really stood out to me as being particularly good or bad. Um, there were some pretty standard camera tricks in terms of having it mostly steady cam until the more intense moments when it transfers to shaky cam to just give you that feeling of instability and tension. Good stuff, lovely stuff, like it. Um, I did think it was interesting. The music, the like main theme of the bam bam is like yeah. very similar to the DreamWorks holiday film Rise of the Guardians, which has a very similar yes. musical theme. Yeah, that was kind of distracting. And I don't know if that's plagiarism or just a coincidence, but still <laughs> worth noting. 
Um, in general, I, I wouldn't listen to the soundtrack casually. Uh, but one thing I do want to call attention to is I appreciate the way this movie understood when to sort of bring it back in terms of comedy and in, just in terms of everything. Like it understood the moments that needed to be treated with a bit of gravity and a bit of respect. Like when the NKVD was opening fire on the citizens coming into Moscow, there's no music, no jokes. Uh, the cinematography is very simple, very clean. And it's just like, yeah, this is, this is terrible. This is a bad, awful thing that's happening. There's no real need to make jokes about it. This is like demonstrating the consequences of all this idiotic, bumbling, brutal politicking. And also, I thought that Beria's last moments were almost poignant in a way that he became a victim. I mean, it's not groundbreaking stuff, but it's still effective the way that he becomes a victim of the system that he had created. And this is a historical moment, like, this is not exactly what happened, but he did have a trial, he did have a show trial, like he didn't have representation or a right to defend himself or anything like that. And he did, at the when he was sentenced, become very despondent and afraid and just started like begging for the mercy that he never would have given anyone else. And the movie doesn't make any jokes about it. It's just like similar to, well, kind of similar to the way that Downfall treated its subjects. It's just like, what a waste. Like all of this death, all of this suffering, and just for nothing, just for Beria to be just for him to sort of overplay his hand and end up dead, just like everyone else he had killed. And yeah, I just like that. I think that it's a it's a simple dynamic. It's a simple point, but it's still effective. It's a, it's a classic kind of trope or point because it is so enduring. And also, one last thing, Beria, the real Beria was like, a complete sociopath. Like, they actually had to tone down what an absolute monster he was because they thought that people would find it over the top. But he was an over-the-top, cartoonishly evil person. So, I just thought that was... When you have to, like... When somebody is so evil that a satirical dark comedy can't accommodate that, I mean, that's just... that's that's. That's chilling. Yeah, I do think that's a good point, though, that I think the funniest movie scene in the movie is definitely when they're all around Stalin's funeral coffin and they're having the discussion. But I think probably the best scene in the movie and probably the scene that, as you were describing it, best has kind of this larger point or a larger sort of message uh, is the scene where Beria gets execute and like i said ending up right ashes thrown into a leaf blower or whatever they were throwing it into like a fan so it would get strewn around that that was how complete the like forgotten nature of the people that were killed was that you you weren't just killed you were completely removed which in I think kind of a scarily angry moment that for the most of most of the movie, Khrushchev is a fairly comical, bumbling sort of figure that right as they're burning Beria, Khrushchev goes, you know, I will wipe you from the face of history. And Steve Buscemi, I think, does a really good job of selling this change. And then, yeah, his conversation with Svetlana, he's very clearly much more cutthroat than he's been made out to be the rest of this film. Anywho, I'm ready to do uh, ratings if you're ready to do ratings. Sure, let's do it. Sick. Well, like I said, this is a very funny movie. It's very enjoyable. The moments when it kind of strays from that are when it becomes not quite as good for me. But on the whole, I would never turn down if I was hanging out with someone and they said, hey, do you want to watch The Death of Stalin? I'd say, sick. Why are you asking me that? (laughs) (laughs) But I would definitely agree I'd watch it. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm going to give it 
I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. You know, this is this is a good movie. It's well done. This is the kind of stuff that we like to see from independent film. Just, you know, kind of weird, quirky sort of films. So, yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's on Hulu. I'd give it a watch. It's worth a watch. It's fun. Yeah, this is a really good movie. Very funny. Uh, I like it more than I think you did. Um, I enjoy a good history movie that I can feel superior about and point out flaws with, but I don't think that it's a huge deal in this movie because the liberties being taken are in service of trying to condense the essence of what happened rather than the actual facts of what happened, and that essence is on brand, like this is essentially what happened. Love all the comedy, love the performances, I appreciate that it never loses sight of the truth that this was all just like that this was darkly funny that this was only this was only funny because it's stupid and this stupidity came at the cost of real human lives. Um so I appreciate that it didn't lose sight of that and didn't just sort of become ridiculous or absurd. Um yeah, I'm I I don't like the utilitarian nature of some of the characters, but it's not a huge deal. It doesn't bring the movie down too much. I'm going to give it a strong B+. And I I would second Nathan's motion that if you are looking for something um, a little unique um, and a little funny, a lot funny, and something to make you just seem like a more well-rounded indie kind of person, definitely give The Death of Stalin a look-in. Good deal. All right. You could also give a look-in to to these movies that are uh, also kind of historical comedies, looks at uh, moments in history. I guess yours isn't so much, but mine is. My recommendation is going to be Adam McKay's Vice, the, his Dick Cheney biopic. I'm a big fan of this. I think Adam McKay, I think this is probably his best movie that I've seen because it's the... Just a very good meshing of style and substance that he does this. There's so many great jokes in this where it's like a ridiculous sort of thing. There's a scene where they start monologue, giving like Shakespearean style monologues. There's a scene where the credits start playing early in the film. There's a scene where they're ordering what kinds of things they want to do in Guantanamo Bay. It's all very darkly funny in the same way as this movie is darkly funny, maybe less funny because these events happened like 20 years ago, as opposed to like, you know, 60 some years ago, 60 or 70 some years ago. But I think this is a really good movie. It's a really interesting look at a, let's say, controversial sort of figure in American history. And I think it does a really good job of communicating what was important about him what mattered about the kind of uh person he was and the kind of politics that he propagated in the american political system um yeah i think it's there's some moments in it where i think adam mckay starts kind of straying into almost parody of himself which i then he think he fully goes into and don't look up but this movie is really good. Christian Bale gives a bonkers performance and all of the other performances are also like insanely good. Uh, Sam Rockwell as George Bush Jr. is also a really fantastic uh, performance and it's a really good movie. I like it. I think some people don't like it. One of those people is about to give you his recommendation right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have very mixed feelings on Vice. I agree that there's a lot of fun, interesting, clever, stylistic flourishes in that movie that I don't, honestly, I don't think you see in a lot of his, his other stuff, uh, which is a bit more straightforward. Um, I'm not a huge Adam McKay fan. I like the other guys well enough, but I still find sometimes his sense of humor can be very abrasive and just very kind of silly, which I don't much get in for. This movie, like, it wears on its sleeve its ahistorical or its heavily interpretive moments, and I, well, we don't need to get into it. I have mixed feelings on this movie. Um, it's not that I like Dick Cheney. I don't. 
It's just that I have certain opinions about history and the essence of history and stuff like that that complicates it. I can't give a second to this recommendation, but I'm also not going to say like, oh, don't watch it. Uh, What I am going to say, do watch Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. This is another dark satire movie of some objectively not funny material that is made funny through putting a magnifying glass on just how ridiculous it really is and how destructive it really is. Uh, So if you didn't know, this is a movie directed by the late, great Stanley Kubrick. It's a satire of the Cold War, the Cold War ideology, specifically the doctrine of mad, mutually assured destruction. Um, It follows the repercussions of a gung-ho army colonel who launches nukes of his own accord against the Soviet Union. And the Soviet Union has, I won't spoil it in case you haven't seen it, but the Soviet Union has some issues with that and everyone's trying to sort of figure out how to solve this while still also trying to maintain the upper hand in geopolitics. And that's where a lot of the satirical humor comes from, that these people are literally on death's door, they're about to destroy the entire world, and they're still engaging in these petty, stupid, vindictive, childish rivalries that don't make sense and don't matter in the face of total global destruction. Really funny, really clever, really well done, Uh, a classic Good work by, uh, I almost said Stalin. No, Stalin didn't do any good works. Um, Classic good work by Stanley Kubrick. And uh, yeah, I would highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. And I would also recommend that you acknowledge that life is hard and full of disappointments. Way to get that in there. Yeah, this is a great movie. I love George C. Scott in that movie. He's so funny. The way he describes the planes in the one scene just kill, it cracks me up every time. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for, uh, once again, supporting cinema. We're going to remind you again, Killers of the Flower Moon, Martin Scorsese comes out this week. Uh, go see it. We'll let you know our thoughts on it. Probably not in a full review unless I think it's like the best movie I've ever seen. And then maybe we'll do a full review of it. But... Uh, We'll definitely be back next week. We'll be talking about a movie. We don't know what movie it is yet, but be sure to check that out. Hope you have a great week in the meantime, and thanks for listening.